Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller. Round one is in the books and we don't have to wait long. Puck drops in round two today. So not only will we catch you up on what went on in two sets of handshakes last night, but we'll preview the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And of course, check in with our Sens Abroad. That's all coming up on the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Saturday, August 22nd. We're bringing some energy bright and early. It's almost 9.30 as we're recording, so no second round games have been played. But Pilsy, was Canada's team crowned last night? Great way to start off the playoffs, bouncing off the defending Stanley Cup champions. And in a pretty good fashion last night, a 6-2 win over the Blues. And the Blues didn't really have anything happening until the end of the game there. The Canucks were just all over them. Well, Jordan Bennington would not be a defending Stanley Cup champion if he played last year's playoffs like he's been playing this year. How much did that affect the outcome of this series? Big time, Ross. And we talked about it on last episode um, if if you're Berube, do you go back to Allen? Do you go with Bennington? What do you do? Well, he, he ended up playing both. Yeah, yeah, we we were right on all sides there. We covered all our options, but he started Bennington, and just that Jay Beagle goal. Not much he could do on the start there. Uh, the second goal, I don't really remember, but the third goal, that was an absolute clinic by the Vancouver Canucks. Elias Pettersson stopping up, waiting for the play, and then he gets the puck back and does a spin uh, behind the back pass, and then that pass sets up Stetcher, and he blasts it past the Blues, who can't help but just watch in, in awe of that quick play that the Canucks just pulled off, and that's kind of how it went for the Blues, and they're going to have to really take a look at themselves in the mirror and see, is Bennington or Jake Allen their guy? Because that created a weird dynamic, and for next season, that'll be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, if... Vancouver is the Canada's team. It's interesting because a lot of their games in the upcoming second round schedule are at 10.30 Eastern. So uh, if you're out East, buckle up. Those 11.30 p.m. starts, um, maybe they won't be Canada's team. Maybe you'll stick with Tampa or somebody in the Eastern time zone with Tampa. I wanted to mention them because now there may only be one defending Stanley Cup champ, and that's Patrick Maroon who plays for the Lightning. They're going up against the Boston Bruins, and Philly will take on the Islanders. But before we get to the second round, let's keep hitting on these games from last night. So Vancouver, dominant performance. Quinn Hughes, 10 points in 10 games. Pedersen's up to 14. So their young stars are really carrying them. But Pilsy, what can you say about the depth of Vancouver as well? Jay Beagle had himself a game. Tyler Mott had a highlight reel goal this series, seemingly coming out of nowhere. Is that one of the best parts of the playoffs is it's these unsung heroes that come through. Absolutely. And I've said it all along. The the guys that are going to win you the Stanley Cup to get you all the way to the 16, well, geez, if you were in the qualifying round, even more, 19 wins to get to the Stanley Cup are those depth players. You know who you've got up front, your big boys, your top six. And those guys are going to be consistent. But it's the bottom six guys who come through and get those timely goals that are going to end up taking you all the way because the top six guys, they can't do it all. 
They they need a break. They need someone to help out. And you mentioned it. Jay Beagle had a really nice goal. I've liked his play a lot. And Tyler Mott has just really shown himself in this playoffs. And he's a guy that Vancouver is glad they have, especially with um, how that line's been clicking all together. Who else is on that line with Beagle and Mott? Is it Russell? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so that's that's a nice grinding line that's showing they can put the puck in the net too. I think Roussel had a goal as well. So good job by those bottom six guys for the Canucks. Yeah, and you know they were also mixing it up physically, which you love to see in postseason hockey. Uh, it's tons of mixing it up physically in this Philadelphia-Montreal series. We'll get to the head tap. But first, like, is this Philly team poised to make a big run? To me, they just seem like they're... They're bubbling. They're simmering right now. Um, and if they can get to a boil, they're going to be a tough out for any team, especially the New York Islanders in the next round. Ross, that's what logic would tell us. But let's not forget time and time and time again, the New York Islanders proving a lot of smart people wrong. And I'm with you. I think the Flyers definitely have the kind of core to to be able to beat the Islanders. But the way the Islanders play... We're going to have to see how that one shakes out. But let's let's focus on the Montreal game last night. Carey Price, poor guy. All the goals that happened go off his own defenseman or his the third one in that case. His defenseman didn't really give him a chance to, to settle and recover on that shot. But he did everything he could in this playoffs. And everyone talked about it. Can Carey Price stand on his head and take this Montreal team far? He did what he could. But in the end, a couple deflections and a Philly team that's just too strong for this Montreal team, especially without Brendan Gallagher, was just too much to overcome. And defensively, I want to bring up the same stat you brought up in the finale of the Islanders um, series against Washington. Block shots. And Montreal, the pucks were going off their defenders, but they weren't actually stopping them. Um, The Flyers blocked 21 shots to, to Montreal's nine. Uh, In that game. And you couple that with Montreal having 15 giveaways, nearly double what Philadelphia had. And you're in for a a tough recipe to win. Uh, One bright spot for for Montreal. And maybe we can kind of put a sense spin on this. Um, Obviously, Tatar was just a throw in in the Pacioretty trade. It didn't work out for him in Vegas. So that, I think, was found money for the Canadians. But, like, you got to say that Stone's better than Pacioretty. This Suzuki kid is unbelievable four goals in this postseason a lot of them were in the dirty areas as a young kid we saw the head tap um i'll wait to ask you about the repercussions of his actions but first what can you say about this suzuki kid and do we think that brandstrom has a chance to be better than suzuki i don't know it's tough and it's crazy when you think about it vegas's first round their first draft Cody Glass, Nick Suzuki, and Eric Branstrom. They use Branstrom and Suzuki to get Branstrom Patrick. first, though, eh? Oh, okay. Yeah, there yeah. you go. In uh, the reverse order there, I guess. Or was Glass after Suzuki? No, no. Glass went, I think, fifth overall. Glass was the first one. And then uh, Suzuki went 15th with, I think, the Islanders pick that they gave him. Um, and then it was Branstrom at at 30. It was either 13 and 15 or 15 and 17th. I'll look that up while you keep all right. Uh, close enough. Up. It doesn't matter. But you you look at those are all three high profile guys in the first round. And Vegas took the opportunity and said, we can be in win now mode. Let's flip those guys, get some extremely good talent in Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty. And we'll keep Cody Glass. So 
I don't know if Brandstrom's going to be better than Nick Suzuki because when you're a young defenseman, that's just a whole another um, career projection and and development path uh, rather than being a forward. But you're right, Nick Suzuki looked damn good here, and those were two nice goals he scored last night. Uh, at least I'm right there because I was wrong with my last point. <laughs> Vegas took Nick Suzuki 13th, then Cal Foot went to Tampa at 14th, and then with the next pick, it was Eric Branstrom at 15th. So I think I had Branstrom right at 15. Yep. But- I said Suzuki was 17. He went 13th. So two picks before uh, Branstrom. That's in the 2017 draft uh, there. The one that Sens fans uh, couldn't care less about because uh, that was back when the draft didn't matter as much as it will. Uh, For the record, Ottawa took Shane Bowers at 28 in the first round uh, of that season when everyone was still high on the conference finals run. Okay, we're just about set to preview the second round, we'll look at what sends abroad are still alive in this Stanley Cup playoffs. But first, got to give you a message from our friends at Built Bar. You know it as the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Well, you can trick anybody with this. And I mentioned last time, it's almost like the mother tricking the son or daughter to eat their veggies or eat something that's maybe healthier than they want to hear. And that's why they cover them with chocolate, a little trick in the biz, and then Half of them have nut flavor and half don't, but there's 16 overall flavors. So it's easy to find one for your taste. And the best part is you're looking at the perfect balance for the health conscious guy. There's low calories, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. You still have to have a flavor that suits your needs. Pilsy, what's your favorite Bilt Bar flavor in this past week? I'm glad you asked, Ross, because the last episode or a couple episodes this week, I rhymed off a couple new flavors that they're rocking out with that I thought are going to be pretty good. There's one key omission that I didn't put in there. Carrot ca- carrot cake with walnuts. Like, how nice is just a good carrot cake? Get some icing on top of there, some walnuts. So you're going to get carrot cake, walnuts, and chocolate in your protein bar. That sounds like a dessert to me. Yeah, you already know walnuts are great for protein as well. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and for example, here, I'll give you the the peanut butter brownie nutritional facts, just so I can say low and high all I want, but you want actual numbers. So here it is, 20 grams of protein, only 170 calories, just 3 grams of sugar, and only 3 grams of net carbs. So that is a perfect combination. Go to BuiltBar.com, and the best part is, right now, if you go there and you put in the promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's a beer on us. And all you have to do is have the best protein bar in the business. That's builtbar.com. Go see it for yourself. And when you check out, don't forget to use the promo code locked on. Well, well, now there are eight teams left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Pilsy, are we starting out west or you want to stay east? Let's stay east. We'll stay east to start. May as well, since I'm about a block and a half away from the Scotiabank yeah. Arena where the bubble uh, is left for these teams. Must be nice for those guys, by the way. Uh, a little less crowded uh, in the hotels now that uh, a few teams. And it's going to be an eerie feeling in, in the next round. Wait, for the next round, they're going to Edmonton, though, aren't they? Just the four teams that are left? Yeah, that, I think that, the that conference sense. final, they they shift to just one bubble. Yeah, well, you wouldn't need all the uh, the NHL officials, as many of them. It would make sense to to amalgamate it into just one. Okay, so we're sticking east. I already mentioned the matchups. Let's start with the one I'm more intrigued in, and that is Tampa yeah. and Boston, a rematch of one of the most iconic playoff series, I think, in the last decade, 2011 
conference finals, the Guy Boucher game, one nothing. the final score in Boston, Tampa, game seven. If you want to go back, that's known as like one of the most perfect games of hockey yeah. ever played. No whistles. I don't think there was a single minor penalty in that game. It's a coach's dream, yeah. Literally. And, I mean, lots of the players have changed, although not as many as you may have think because you still had Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand, Chara. Rask was the backup goalie, although he's in a similar situation in that he won't be playing in this series. But then you look on the other side, Tampa already had Stamkos and Hedman on their team as well. So um, going through this, what where's the advantage lie? Like These teams are, are stacked both offensively and on the back end. I'm giving the advantage to Tampa here, Ross. How much of that is Vasilevsky over Halak? Definitely a, a big part of it, but I don't want to undermine uh, Yaroslav Halak. If you're looking at backup goalies in this league, I think he's in the top three of backup goalies in this league. Depending on if you're looking at 1A, 1B type or backups, he's Goal right up there. friendly show, uh, top three, quick. Of backups? Yeah. Hudobin's got to be up there too. Which is crazy because Halak took his job in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of 1A, 1B, so it might be thing. hard to, to have like a, a true backup. I'll give you those two as a good starter, Marcus Hogberg. <laughs> he might be a starter. Look out. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, you're going on on that series. Who has the advantage and why? Yeah, well, okay, clear edge Vasilevsky over Halak. Again, not undermining Halak, just Vasilevsky is a whole nother, uh, whole nother guy there. But I'm giving the advantage to the Lightning because of their depth that we talked about. That bottom six is nice. You've got, I think it's uh, Tyler Johnson and who who's on that third line? I forget. But you got you got some high talent playing on the fourth and third line. Pat Maroon, we all know what he did last playoffs for his home team, hometown team in St. Louis. He's a good guy to have in the playoffs and. I just like their decor so nicely spread out in Tampa. I think maybe Zach Bogosian's a bit over his head playing with Hedman in the top pairing, but they seem to uh, have a lot of good chemistry. They're making it work. And then you got guys like Shattenkirk, Sergachev. I just think that this Tampa Bay team is a little deeper, and it seems like they have more to play for here. And I don't want to tie to Garask leaving the bubble into Boston's kind of attitude about these playoffs. Cause I think it's definitely unrelated, but I just don't think Boston has the drive this year to go as far as they have in the past. I think maybe these guys are tired. Um, they're, they're not as motivated as they seem to be. If Carolina is healthy, that whole series with Svechnikov and Aho being healthy the whole time, I think we're looking at a whole different scenario here uh, where it would have gone a lot farther, maybe even to seven games. Whereas Tampa, I think they they exercised their demons, right? Like they got rid of that Columbus Blue Jacket boogeyman that was giving them such problems and really shattered their world last season. So I think they've got a lot to play for. And Stamkos, who knows? He's lurking in the shadows. I don't know when he's going to come back, but the longer they keep this going and the more success they have, the more chances they have to get Stamkos back. And once they have Stamkos back, look out. Yeah, Stamkos not expected to be ready for game one, but nobody knows beyond that. And you referenced this. It was actually the second line now because points moved up to the top line with Stamkos out. So it's um, it's Anthony Sorelli at center between Kalorn and Tyler Johnson. And those guys yeah. are just putting on a complete 
clinic. I mean, the whole team is really like Braden points up to 10 points and he's got those two overtime game winners in the eight games and Kucherov right there as well. There's so much firepower, even without Stamkos. I, th- I mean, I went against Boston last round, so I'm going to stick. I'm going to go with Tampa in uh, in five games in this one. Like, I honestly think that wow. they can get the ball rolling. If Stamkos can get back by game three, I just think that it's all been building to this. If you're the Tampa Bay Lightning since 2011, even when when this all started with with that, like they've had a couple years where they missed the playoffs, but a Stanley Cup final, a conference final, they're getting so close. Why not now? They they're already past the first round, which they couldn't do last season. I just think this is the year for for Tampa Bay. And if you're Tampa, you got to be thinking that too. Look at the teams that have been eliminated: Pittsburgh gone, Washington gone, the Leafs gone. A lot of these teams that you would have thought you got to go up against that could be juggernauts in the playoffs are out of your way already. So if you can get past the big bad Bruins, you're looking nice to continue your success on the way to the Stanley Cup. What's your prediction? I'm saying Tampa and six. I give Tampa Boston a little more respect there. I think the that top line is still uh, Marshawn, Bergeron, and Pasternak. Now that Pasta's back is still so dominant. I think they'll squeeze a couple games out. But yeah, Tampa, Tampa's got this. And Charlie Coyle is just a playoff guy, which yeah. is is just wild. He's he's every time he plays in the postseason, at least in the past two seasons with uh, Boston, that's been uh, lookouts. So yeah, he had some depth there as well. Okay, Philly. And the Islanders. We finally got some offense out of Philly studs. Like Kevin Hayes, first goal of the postseason. Ivan Provorov, first goal of the postseason. Those were just in last night's game. Is it just a matter of, uh, is it a ticking time bomb, I guess I'll say, until Giroux gets going, until Konechny gets going. And at that point, could it finally spell the end? These, These Islanders, they're still hanging around. If it's a ticking time bomb, Ross, the Philadelphia Flyers better fast forward through that alarm because they need that bomb to go off real quick. And if they're going up against a defensively stubborn team like the Islanders, if your top guys can't squeeze a couple goals in past Varlamov, you're going to have a hard time because that Islanders team just smothers you. So I don't think this is a playoff series where I don't think Philly's depth guys are going to have as much as an impact because they're not going to be able to break through that tight structured defense that the Islanders have, it's going to have to be the top guys who, when they get their moments, when they get on the power play, they got to take advantage and they got to get those goals because this could be a low scoring series. I see a lot of these games, Philly and the Islanders being one goal games and like two, one could be the result of all these games. Well, the two teams, they rank both in the top three, second and third, Islanders second in goals against per game. Yeah. Uh, the Islanders are at 1.67 and Phillies at 1.75. So take the under in this series. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. And I just finished that thought. Colorado is actually first. But do, do the Islanders not get enough credit offensively? Because when you look at goal scoring this postseason, they're tied with Vegas for third, and everyone talks about how great Vegas is at scoring goals. Why aren't they getting as much respect at their offensive prowess as they do with their defensive acumen? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Ross. I, I think it's just the light is shining more on their defense because that that's what's really won them games. You've seen, and I think I talked about it last time, you've seen the Islanders get up one or two goals, and then they just shut it down. They just absolutely suffocate the other team and 
Barry Trotz has Barry Trotz would have no problem winning that one nothing game we referenced uh, versus Tampa versus the Bruins back then. That would be a, a dream for him and Varlamov getting the shutout. But sure, the Islanders they've got some guys that can put the puck in the back of the net. But Carter Hart, like sure he had a couple stinkers, one game where he got yanked and one game where he thought he was getting yanked but didn't. But then he's got those shutouts on his back too. I think Carter Hart's going to get it a lot more consistent. He's going to lock down and and zone in, and we could see him really shut the door on this Islanders team. Plus seven goal differential in the third period for the Islanders. They hmm. definitely know how to lock it down. But Philly, I mean, Philly's not going to score as much, or at least it hasn't been the case. They've only scored four third-period goals in eight games this postseason. Four third period goals in eight postseason games. I mean, they've only allowed four goals as well in the third period, just a low event third. Um, but I don't think Carter Hart uh, can be spoken highly of enough. And uh, you don't think that's an extra uh, little pat on the on the butt as he goes on here with Carey uh, Price telling him he's going to watch him, his childhood idol. So, um, man, I think this is going to be a really fun series too. I, I think the Islanders can be a boring team, but I think Philly's going to at least I think Philly, they're aggressive enough. They're going to get into the the extracurriculars with the Islanders, and I think that's going to add an awesome element to this series. So we're looking forward to those two starting in the next couple of days, but out west. Wait, what's, actually, what's oh, your prediction? Prediction time. Yeah, well, i got to stick with what I've been on. I have Philly winning the Eastern Conference, but I'm going to give the Islanders more respect than I'm going to give Boston. I'm going to say Philly in seven. I think it's going to go the distance here. What about you? That's where I'm at, Ross. Philly in seven, and that game seven is going to overtime. I can oh, see it, oh. and that's going to be unreal. Uh, we'll say Hazy gets the series winner game seven. All right. I like that. But it's Colorado who's going to kick the second round off today against Dallas after Dallas came back in a huge way against Calgary to win that series in six games. NHL not messing around. Round one ends less than 24 hours later. Let's kick it off round two. What are your initial impressions of this series? Colorado is just an absolute juggernaut. I love the Dallas Stars, and I've always wanted, I love that core group, and I think they have what it takes to go far, but they they met, uh, the fist meets the pavement at the road here, I think. That top line is just so good. Nazem Kadri is absolutely humming on the power play, and I don't think... Like, you look at Dallas Stars' top line, Ben, Sagan, Radulov. They had a down year this year, and Sagan's got no goals so far in wow. this playoffs. So, if he's not going to get going, that that top line of Rantanen, McKinnon, and Landeskog is just going to eat them up. But I do like Dallas's depth. They have nice depth on the bottom six, and that decor is showing that they can get it done. Mira Heiskanen, are you kidding me? What a playoffs he's having as a young defenseman. Second so, in points. Yeah. He's lighting it up. Guess who's first? You know who's first. Good old (laughs) Nate Dog, And I think that's going to keep on happening. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's on a mission here. I think he wants to let put the league on notice that he deserves to be kind of in the Mount Rushmore of elite superstars here in the league. And he's got the team to back him up. I don't think Dallas has what it takes to, uh, to slow down the abs here. Well, you also have to look at Nathan McKinnon. He's he's in his, what, sixth year now in the league. Crosby was in his fourth year when he won his first, and you know being neighbors, training mm-hmm. partners in the summer, he watches everything that Sid does. So you don't think that's a little pat. He's like, I got to get my first here if I'm catching Sid has three already. So 
don't underestimate that passion and drive from Nathan McKinnon. And you heard we mentioned last week or whenever he said it when he had to play back-to-backs. And there is a back-to-back also in this series too. But they asked him if uh, the back-to-back was going to be difficult. And he said, nah, that's why I win fitness testing every year. I'm going to be buzzing tomorrow. So just the confidence in this kid and maybe the most powerful strides in the league. You can say McDavid's faster. Nobody's going to argue that. But here's an analogy. If Connor McDavid is a gazelle, then Nate McKinnon is a rhino because he is running through guys. And if, if he's not running through them, he's throwing them down. It's actually absurd how good this guy is at hockey. If you haven't caught him because it's out west or whatnot, make sure you do. And actually, Dmitry Filipovich posted on Twitter just a highlight reel of McKinnon just since the NHL's return. And that could have been on some guy's career highlight tapes. And he's done it in the last two weeks. So I have this as being a clean sweep, honestly. I I credit to Dallas for getting here, but they just ran into the wrong team. And we're one step closer to Vegas, Colorado, and that is so much fun. What do you have in this series, prediction-wise? I'm going gentleman sweep here. I think Dallas is going to squeeze one out. Um, That's the thing. Like They they have the core to do it, but I just don't think they're going to get four wins against this Colorado Avalanche team. I think they're going to get one. We'll go Avs in five. All right. Do you think the other series is going to be tighter? Uh, Vancouver coming out of an enormous victory. The emotional boost of beating the champs has to be huge, but you're going up against a couple sends abroad, and you're also going up against the juggernaut that is the Vegas Golden Knights. I think this is going to be a much closer series, Ross. The Vancouver Canucks, what a fun team, and these guys are just meshing so well together. Um, I talked about it with last night's game, just the incredible passing play that I think the whole line forwards and defensemen touched the puck on that third goal in the offensive zone before Stetcher blasted it in. These guys are doing so well. Travis Green has them all humming. They're doing everything they need to do. And yeah, you mentioned it. They knocked off the cup champs. That's got to feel nice. You can pat yourself on the back there. But you're going up against the Golden Knights who from existence have been confident they can do what it get what it uh, takes to get it done. And I don't think the Canucks can pull past the Golden Knights. But damn, is this going to be an exciting series and it's going to be close. It's, it's going to be close, and you don't have the X factor. Robin Leonard has not played for Vancouver, so we don't have that storyline <laughs> to follow where he is just dominant against his old teams. But I'm super excited for this series because you have that high-level skill. You're going to have the compete level. I think the way that these four series all shook down, they couldn't have been better matchups. Maybe, like, whoever got Colorado, it was going to be tough for. I think... Um, I think Calgary would have been a bit more fun because they had that chip on their shoulder because Colorado dummied them yeah. last year in the postseason. But in terms of Vegas, I just I love everything about their team. I, we've talked about their depth pickups. We've, we've gushed over their stars before, and they've all come to play. Like, Robin Leonard looks great in between the pipes. I'm assuming he gets the start oh, in yeah. game one. He's got a 4-1 and one record here. And Stonesy, up at a point of game, eight points, eight games. You know he's still the takeaway king. And, yeah, I just don't see I don't see Vancouver winning this, but I do see them grinding out one, maybe two games. So I'm going to say Vegas in six. Yeah, Vegas in six is my guess too. Um, Ross, you know, you know where all the eyeballs of the entire league are going to be on here? Oh. Robin Leonard, Jacob Markstrom oh. are two of the elite UFAs coming into next season. 
These guys are going to be competing against each other on the biggest stage, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, and they're going to be one-upping each other. And the better each one of them does, the better each one of their contracts are going up. They can they can count the dollar signs with each each save they get in this series. So that's going to be really interesting to see who comes out on top here between those two uh, goalies that are likely going to be available come the offseason. Yeah, pair of countrymen as well in, yep. uh, for Sweden. I believe that they're very close in age. I know Leonard was an 09 pick. I want to say Markstrom was 08 or 09 as well because I know Markstrom played World Juniors with Carlson, who was an 08 pick. So they definitely, I'm sure, knew each other growing up. So yeah. um, that'll be an interesting storyline. I would be shocked if there's not an athletic story about their relationship or something like that in the coming days. But we've got so much good hockey. A couple notes before the end of the show. Um, you mentioned UFAs. Has Alex Petrangelo played his last game in St. Louis? We'll yeah. talk about that. Uh, oh wow, way to way to give away the answer already. But we're gonna get we're gonna dive into that. Uh, in our next episode as well. But I want to end the show on something we teased but never got to. Talk about karma, eh? Nick Suzuki patting Carter Hart on the head. We discussed how we felt as a goalie-friendly show. And, oh boy, karma comes to get him. And it's a sense abroad, although he didn't make the cut for the final team. But Derek Grant, after the final buzzer, how nice was that, Pat, for him? You got to know that was coming. Like, the Flyers guys, they were just waiting to get that tap back on the head. But it's kind of funny. That could have gone the other way on the Flyers. Nick Suzuki, two goals. He almost brought the the halves back. I think he'd be doing some head tapping if he got the hattie and tied it up. So, kind of interesting dynamic there. We'll, we'll see if that kind of carries on through next season. Because that was a fun rivalry between those two teams. So, I'd love to see that animosity continue uh, in the future here. Well, we're going to see lots of animosity in the coming weeks. There's eight teams left, and there can only be one champion. We'll be there. You can always go on Twitter, at Sens Central. We've got our Sens Abroad scoring leaders updated after round one. So you can go reminisce on that. Some studs moving up the rankings. And finally, Hoffman knocked out of his second position. Maybe we'll get into that more on Monday's show as well. But for now, that's it for us. Enjoy your weekend. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.